When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week on Wealth Track, Nuveen's veteran chief equity strategist Bob Dahl also runs several five-star rated large cap funds. His views on the markets and strategy are next on Consuelo Mack Wealth Track. New York Life, along with Mainstay's family of mutual funds, offers investment and retirement solutions so you can help your clients keep good going. Additional funding provided by Thornburg Investment Management, Active Management, Flexible Perspective. Ku and Patricia Ewan through the Ewan Foundation, committed to bridging cultural differences. And the Fairholme Foundation. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. Have we experienced the longest bull market in U.S. history? That's what recent headlines would have you believe. Since hitting its low of 666 in March of 2009, it has been a long ride to new highs. But there have also been several angina-inducing declines along the way. There was a 16% slide early on in 2010, a more dramatic sell-off in 2011 when the market tumbled almost 20%, which is the official definition of a bear market, and there was a 14% decline in 2015. Perhaps these explain why this has been called the least believed bull market in U.S. history. Many investors simply did not experience the bull in the market. And according to one prominent technical analyst, neither did the vast majority of stocks and other markets. In a recent report taking exception to the longest bull market story, Strategus Research Partners Chief Market Technician Chris Verone noted that 72% of S&P 500 stocks declined 20% or more in the 2011 market sell-off, and 63% fell 20% or more in the 2015 one. And other major market indices experienced serious bear markets. The Russell 2000, considered to be the benchmark for small-cap stocks, plummeted 30% in 2011 and 27% in 2015, And from mid-2014 to mid-2016, the majority of global equity markets endured severe drawdowns. The Shanghai Composite was off 49%. Emerging markets as a whole were down 38%. And the Euro stock 600 suffered a 27% decline. Barone's point is there are several ways to measure the length of bull markets. And looking at the experience of most stocks, this one could be much younger and more questionable than it first appears. Well, this week's guest is a veteran strategist, market-beating money manager, and an early and regular guest on WealthTrack. He is Bob Dahl, Chief Equity Strategist and Senior Portfolio Manager at Nuveen. Nuveen is the asset management division of parent company TIAA, which has $950 billion in assets under management. Dahl is known for his weekly market commentary and his popular annual 10 market predictions. But he is also a successful longtime hands-on money manager, overseeing five different large-cap strategies. The traditional core, growth, and value, plus two alternative equity strategies, long, short, and market neutral. 
His flagship Nuveen Large Cap Core Fund is rated five-star by Morningstar and is in the top 2% of its large blend category, having beaten the S&P and its peers over the last five years. And his Nuveen Equity Long Short Fund and Equity Market Neutral Funds are also rated five-star. I began the interview by asking Dahl for his views on the S&P's bull market run and if it really matters. Well, we're certainly at an all-time high, so however you define it, we've had a phenomenal bull market. Wherever it started, we could debate, but from the real low in 2009, stock prices have quadrupled. That's multiple of four. Right. That's amazing and happens very few times in history. So this has been an awesome bull market. Does it matter? Does the longevity of this matter, which is something that a lot of, you know, fearful investors say, this just can't go on forever. It's just been too long. Well, we know it can't go on forever. Right. But CFA 101, bull markets do not die of old age. There has to be a catalyst that hits it over the head. It's usually inflation. It can be a variety of other things. But until those problems surface, we're going higher, Consuelo. So do you see any problems surfacing? There are plenty of problems. Look, yeah. the U.S. equity market, in my view, has a massive tailwind. It's called earnings. 25% in the first half of this year, and the back half looks to be 20-ish. And, and why is that? What's driving the earnings? Why are companies doing so well? well we're estimating about a third is coming from the tax bill, big mm -hmm. tax cut, about a third from massive revenue growth, and the remaining third a combination of margin improvement and financial engineering. And the revenue growth is coming from just the strength in the economy, or yes, what? Yes, yes. We just had a 4.1% real GDP number in the right. second quarter. Back half of the year looks to be about three. We've not seen that kind of growth in a long time. Prior to this year, since the Great Recession, almost 10-year period, 1.9% real GDP is the average. So to get something at three, much, much less four, big change in our economy. One of the things that, you know, that people have said, like Ed Hyman, for instance, um, who has been on the program, an economist, and um, you know, he's basically said that it's, a, it's been actually a good thing that we've had very slow growth over the last nine years because it's enabled the economy to keep growing. Are we seeing any signs of overheating, for instance, which could bring an end to this economic yeah, be recovery? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah. You're absolutely right. If the GDP in the U.S. grows two for an indefinite period of time, the, the cycle could last forever. I know it won't last that long, but you get my point. Once you get to three, you're starting to use up excess resources. So you're inviting an eventual end to the economic cycle. So absolutely, if we stay growing at three or four, um, we won't have a cycle that lasts forever. We'll have a recession because inflationary forces will come back. Very little signs of it so far, but we'll hit that eventually. I mean, we, we talk to companies all the time. We right. can't find any of them who aren't saying, I can't find workers. Yes. And if it's in a certain area, I have to pay up to get that worker. Well, that's going to show up in the wage data at some point. Uh, the headwinds, uh, you just mentioned things like higher interest rates, higher inflation. And one thing that you and I have talked about in the past is protectionism. Yes. How strong are these headwinds? Well, they are headwinds because we don't know where it's going to end up. Um, at each turn, the stakes get put a little bit higher. Look, a tariff is a tax. And if you tax something, you generally get less of it. Therefore, it's not good. If my colleague and I have a fight, Consuelo, and he gets one black eye and I get 
two black guys. We are both worse off than we were. But he's a relative winner because he only has one black guy. That's what happens in a trade war. Look, to defend the administration, they're trying to deal with China and intellectual property and right. China stealing it. And if we can slow that down, maybe it'll have been worth it. But in the meantime, it's a little scary. The stock market, in my view, would be a lot higher because of the great earnings if it weren't for the trade problems. But conversely, if it weren't for the earnings, the trade problems might have taken us down lower. What worries you the most about the current environment? Again, you, you said that um, bull markets don't die of old age. Right. What, what is so, it? So what, what I worry about most, yes. the revenues and the earnings and the companies in my client portfolios, that aside, the macro worries, inflation. When's it coming back? It has moved from very low to low. I suspect it's going to move a bit higher. We've got to keep our eye on it. Uh, I worry about protectionism. We already talked mm -hmm. about it. Trade. Um, et cetera, et cetera. That's a risk for not just the U.S., but the entire world. And the third thing is the importance of China. If China slows too much, right. that's a dampener on global growth. China is slowing as China reorients its economy away from an over-dependence on capital toward more consumption, which means a more sustained growth rate, but probably at a lower level. Let's go back to the inflation uh, issue. There are some who theorize that we are in a new era of low inflation, and one of the reasons is demographics, that the, the world is getting older, especially the developed world, also in China, and that older people buy fewer things than younger people do. What's your view of inflation? Are we in a new era of lower inflation? I think we are in a secularly lower inflation environment. Demographics uh -huh. is one reason. Globalization, technology are other reasons. Right. Well, that keeps a dampener on, on the long-term inflation rate. But cyclically, within the secular story, we're going to have rises. The peak in inflation this cycle is probably much lower than the peak in most earlier cycles. But nevertheless, inflation cyclically is moving slowly higher. And how damaging is that, Bob? I mean, Well, the financial market's worst enemy is a rising inflation rate, which leads to higher interest rates. Um, and that has happened to some degree, back to the 2016 low in rates we discussed a minute right. ago. It's not punitive in the sense that it just puts us all you know, in, the, in the basement. It just works against capital markets doing well and eventually economic growth. But that's a ways away yet. Again, back to my question, are we in a new era where we're not going to see the kind of extremes in inflation and interest rates that we've seen in the past? Yeah, absent a major global disruption, oil prices moving significantly higher, inflation's going to stay relatively low for the reasons we discussed a minute ago. And that's a good thing for financial assets and obviously a good thing for economies and consumers. Yeah. Putting on your strategist hat, Bob, what are you telling clients that you think the environment is going to be for the next, let's say, you know, 19 to 24 months? Yeah, we basically say we are more in an alpha than a beta environment. And explain beta, what that means. A beta environment means you just be there. Stock market's going up, the good stocks and the bad stocks. And that was last year, 21%. You know, a bad result was up 18. Who's going to complain about that? <laughs> In, in this environment, it's more claw a little bit here, claw a little bit there. Um, the averages are up a single digit percentage, but there's still some people losing money in stocks this year. So you've got to be in the right assets, in this case stocks, and avoid the wrong ones. Same thing in bonds. 
If you've owned municipal bonds, you're doing okay. If you own treasury bonds, not so. So selection, far more important. That's what we're telling our clients. Don't just expect that the averages are going to take you higher. Are there going to be areas in the market, do you think, this year? Are you seeing them now that are really not doing okay, where you actually could lose money? Right. The managers that I know that are down year to date. Yes. Too many yield stocks, too many good old-fashioned dividend growth stocks that just don't have the impetus to grow in the cycle that we are enjoying. And, of course, those were the, the, everyone wanted income. And, you know, the whole story is compounding. And if you reinvest the dividends, you're going to do well. Right. And and so they were great stocks. Yes, they were great stocks. Largely because from 1981 to July of 2016, interest rates came down. Right. And your treasuries from 15% to 1.37%. Since then, rates have been drifting higher, and so those stocks that look like bonds haven't done so well. I use the language, rates have moved from very low to low. I also use the language, the Fed was our best friend mm-hmm. for a lot of years. They're not our enemy yet, but they're right. kind of moving to the outer rung of friendship, if you will. Therefore, the defensive plays, and you just described the utilities, dividend-paying stocks, um, they're not defensive. They're not, they're going to could hurt you now. Yeah, it, and it, and therefore, so, so what? What is going to help you? Where do you see the opportunities right. in the market? So not, not to say those stocks are going to lose you money, uh-huh. although they have year to date. They'll just make you. If the market's going up, they'll go up just less than. All right, so they're going to underperform will. the market, Correct. but they, you're, not, you're not expecting them to correct. Right, own companies that are generating free cash flow, so they can reinvest in their business. Own companies at the moment that are more domestically oriented because the U.S. is doing better than most of the rest of the world, own companies that benefit from rising, not falling rates, Mm -hmm. and then sectors do matter, so selected, not uniformly, selected technology, financials, consumer cyclicals. These are the kinds of names that uh, are, are benefiting from the economic cycle. So I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the portfolios that you run, and you run, you know, five distinct strategies, which I mentioned in my introduction to you. But so, so in, in a couple of your portfolios, you've got Apple, for instance, Microsoft, United Healthcare, Amazon. Uh, explain, are, are, do those fit the definition that you just gave us? I think they do. Right. Um, uh, Apple and Microsoft, let's talk about those technology yes. stocks. Apple is a cheap stock. It's actually in the value index, no longer in the growth index. So it's price earnings ratio and other valuation measures make it fairly cheap and they have a massive amount of cash, free cash flow. The question for Apple is what are you going to do with all that cash? Microsoft transformed from what was a good software company to an amazing cloud company with hardly missing a beat along the way. So these are the kinds of names that win in almost any environment. almost I was going to say yeah. almost any environment because they're in your core portfolio and yes. they're also in your growth portfolio as well. Um, you know, you talk to clients um, all the time, and one of the questions that you say that you get most frequently is, given what's going on in Washington, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> how unsettling it is, how can the market keep going up? Right. What is your response to my, that? My response is a very simple one. Washington, D.C. does not move the stock market. Earnings do. You know, I, use, I use sometimes say, if Donald Trump and all the senators and all the representatives learn to walk on water. If the economy is going this way and earnings aren't good, the stock market's going down. Conversely, if they mess everything up, which some people say they are, we can debate that, (laughs) and earnings are good, the stock market's probably going up. Washington, D.C. does affect policy, which affects earnings. I get that. 
but in, in the near term, it's all about earnings. As a money manager and, uh, and a strategist, how much attention do you pay to Washington? Because for a lot of us, they suck a lot of energy out of yes. the room every day, every yes. time you wake up and, or you know, look at your computer and see the headlines. It's all over the place. You know, if, if I say if it weren't so serious, it'd be wonderful entertainment. Mm -hmm. it? Um, but I think you have to, as an investor, pay attention to it. And what are the policy developments going to be? Oh, we can't minimize the effect of the tax bill that was passed right. um, at the end of last year, the absence of a lot of new regulation, the rollback of some. All these are big positives that we didn't have before. It's among the reasons earnings are going 25%. But then on the other hand, you've got this trade thing, which I would put in the negative column until we right. come out the other side. Um, so you've got to know what's going on and how it's going to affect markets. But day to day, I want to own the companies that are generating the earnings and the free cash flow. Are, are you making decisions based on what you're seeing happening in Washington at all? And this will be my last Washington question. Less so. Um, you know, do we, do we want to own companies that are spending their excess cash flow on capital expenditures to reinvest in their business as right. a result of the tax bill? Absolutely. So we do pay attention, but it's not the driver. So, so security selection, which is, of course, a mantra that we've heard many, many times. Um, and how are you actually doing that now? So what's different this year versus last year? Yes. Stronger growth, right? a tax bill, and less regulation. Some of that coming from Washington, D.C. That affects what it is we're going to choose in our portfolios. We want companies that benefit from all those good things, which tend to be companies that are a little bit more cyclical in orientation. They could be what we call soft cyclicals as opposed to the deep ones, but nevertheless, Expose me to the economy. Look at the U.S. consumer. More of us working. Some people are getting some, some pay raises. Savings rates in pretty healthy shape. The consumer's in good shape. And guess what? Consumer stocks are doing well. Specifically, Bob, is, is, is there a company that you, know, you own knowing that? Though? We own more of, more of Best Buy and Home Depot. Interesting. Retailers. Amazon is not going to put every bricks-and-mortar retailer out of business. Right. You have to look at what are the ones that have either a moat around them or have the ability to sail through this environment with just smart merchandising, a smart distribution, and there are a couple that fit that bill. I mentioned in my introduction to you, so you're you know, running, a, a, you've got a core portfolio at Nuveen, growth, uh, value, and most recently, is you've got a long short fund and a market neutral fund, um, and those two are ranked five-star by Morningstar. Why do I need alternative funds like a long, short, or a market neutral? And explain, what they number are. one, and, and what they are. Mm. But why, why do I need an alternative right. equity fund? So they're hedged strategies. Let's take the <clears> most <throat> conservative, equity market neutral. Mm -hmm. I had somebody come to me recently, a financial advisor, and said, Bob, I love your process, I love your product, I own your core fund, but I'm nervous about the market. I wish I could get your alpha, your stock picking, and not have the beta of the market. I said, voila, we have it. It's called equity market neutral. Market neutral means just that. How do, this how does product it work? doesn't care if the market's going up or down. It's 100 stocks long mm -hmm. and 100 stocks short. short. So the net position is essentially zero. So if, all, if the market goes up 10% and all our stocks go up 10%, our longs and our shorts, the investor has a return of zero. Mm -hmm. So obviously what we're paid to do is to own in an up market longs that go up more than shorts. Right. And a down market own longs that go down less than the shorts. So how our longs compare to our shorts is the return the investor gets. 
Why would you want one of these? For absolute return. When we get into a period of time when markets have a negative beta, can I say it that way, right. i.e. they're going down, there are ways to make money, and a market neutral fund is one of those ways. And what portion of one's equity portfolio should one have in a market neutral fund? And certainly, it doesn't pay to have one of those in a bull market because you know it holds you back. Correct. It definitely holds you back. So it's but, part of an asset mix decision. Right. No matter how bullish one is, typically they don't have 100% in equity. So what are you doing the rest? An equity market neutral actually is a, an enhanced cash vehicle or a fixed income alternative, not to be overly complicated, mm -hmm. but an equity market neutral fund properly managed has bond-like returns, bond-like volatility without the interest rate sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So that's another store of value. It's not really an equity fund. It just happens to use equities to achieve its absolute return objective. It, it, it's a, so these are relatively new vehicles for retail investors. I mean, they've been around for a long time for hedge fund investors. Right. There are three types of investors in, in this yes. kind of product. One, long-term cash. I want a higher return than treasury bills. Two, I have too much money interest sensitive, too many bonds. I'm going to put some money in an equity market neutral fund. Three, I've made a lot of money in the stock market. I want to take a little off the table. Do you have anything where I can get an alpha without the beta, to right. use those terms again? They're the three types we have in that product. Okay. Um, role of a long short fund. Long short fund is, I call it a tweener between long only mm -hmm. and the equity market neutral. It's an equity fund with training wheels. It gets most of the upside, sadly, most of the downside, mm -hmm. plus or minus the alpha that the managers are able to create. Our particular one has a target beta of 0.7. So 70% of the upside, 70% of the downside. But if you have an alpha, as ours has, thankfully, in its six-year existence, right. we've gone up almost as much as the market and the up periods and down less than half in the down periods. That's the kind of strategy a long short offers you. Your largest personal holding in, in your funds is the large cap core fund. Correct. And, and why is that? Because that's my plain vanilla exposure to the market. I want to be invested in stocks because over time stocks go up and more particular to this time, we are still in a bull market. And But to protect yourself, uh, again, we've just talked about some alternative funds. What are you doing? Equity market neutral is the second largest holding uh -huh. for that reason. It's a cash substitute, but for me, it's more of a bond substitute. June of 2016, I said, time out. Ten-year treasuries are 150. I don't think they're going to one, absent a depression. Therefore, I need to back off uh, interest rate sensitivity, put that money in equity market neutral, and that's been a wonderful trade so far. And, and that was in 2016. So is, is, is there some time when you look at the alternative funds, again, that, that, you know, that add this diversification aspect um, and take away the exposure, the full exposure to what the market's going to be doing? Is there some time when you say, you know what, I'm, going to, I'm either going to get out of a fund like that or I'm, I'm, not, I'm you know, just going to reduce my exposure to it? When we get to the end of this bull market, the end of this economic cycle, whenever that is at whatever interest rate level it is, at some point we'll take that equity market neutral money, a bunch of it, and put it back in the bond market. But not until rates are finished going up. 
you're an equity strategist, you're an equity manager. Do you invest in bonds at all? I mean, is, is, you know, what, what's, what's your view of the bond market at this point? And so, so yes, at the moment, right. no, because of the belief interest rates are going up. But right. our, my personal fixed income money, we put with the municipal people at Nuveen who are great, great managers. Right, so municipal, right, again, very, right, obviously tax favored. Exactly yes. right, exactly right. And when interest rates go up, most bonds go down, <laughs> duh, right? And so we're in that environment now, in my view, therefore to be underweight fixed income makes sense. There'll come a time where you want to be overweight. I think that's not today. One investment for a long-term diversified portfolio, what should we all own one of you know, or so some of? As we discussed before, aside from your equity position, given where we are, I'm suggesting supplement that with an equity market neutral product. Begin to recognize no bear market this year, hopefully not next year, but eventually we'll have a bear market. Don't wait till stocks are going down to figure out, how am I going to make money now? An equity market neutral fund can go up in a down market. So start doing homework, getting familiar, getting interested. All right. Bob Dahl, it is such a treat to have you on Wealth Track. And Thanks so much. Thank you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is ignore politics and focus on the investment fundamentals. As fascinating and distracting as events in Washington are, right now Bob Dahl has it right. Earnings matter, as do interest rates and inflation. Executives of well-run companies will continue to make decisions based on what's best for their firm and its future, regardless of the political environment. That should be your focus, too. Next week, we discuss why five-star bond fund manager Mary Ellen Stanek is proud to describe her Baird Core Plus bond fund as sleep insurance. In the meantime, in our WealthTrack Extra Exclusive with Bob Dahl, how does he juggle his multiple roles as strategist, forecaster, portfolio manager, and commentator? We'll discuss the Dahl organizing principle. For those of you multitasking on Facebook and Twitter, please reach out to us as well. Thanks for watching. Have a great weekend and make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one.